spectacular extracurricular episode of Normandy FM. I'm very excited to be here. I'm trying to keep the energy high this week, Ken. One of us has to. I really am. Look, I'm Eric Van Allen, one of the co-hosts here at Normandy FM, which is not a Mass Effect podcast. It is a Dragon Age podcast now, (laughs) so we should come up with a different name for it. And joining me in this journey is Kenneth Shepard. I hate this game. Ken... Like okay, this is our this is our second awakening episode, and I'm already just wanting to be through this game. <laughs> I I am so done at this point. Like I, I'm just fucking done. Like I'm bored of it. I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of like constant. Like this game wastes my time in ways that I didn't think it possibly could, and it still fucking does. And we gotta spend fucking three more weeks on it. And no, no four. We gotta because we gotta do witch hunt too. So like. Okay, yeah, but that doesn't get yeah, that's this different. But yes, we do have to spend four more weeks in the general vicinity of Dragon Age Origins before we get to the Wagyu beef of Dragon Age. Mm. Um, I I don't know. I keep I keep hitting. I talked about this when we were talking about Dragon Age Origins. Uh, the idea that I might be enjoying this game more if I wasn't having to play it with all the other things that are going on in my life and I wasn't having to like proceed through the game at a certain like regimented pace like I you know because mm. I think the major thing we have with the section of the game that we're playing which we've generally kind of labeled the awakening because uh, that's kind of what the game does but uh, it's really three different main quests that introduce us to both the characters that are joining us in awakening and also the enemies that we're fighting in in awakening um and it's the thing it does is it feels like right out of the gate it starts just throwing quests at you Mm. like i i remember side quests being there but not too frequent in origins you know every once in a while you'd see one pop up you'd be like oh neat you know maybe i'll go do that and stuff like that and you know we did some of them and we talked about some of them we didn't do all of them this is not a completionist podcast um going to be thanking the maker for that uh come dragon age inquisition mm. but uh it is also we do try to like experience what the games are and so i try to if i feel like a side quest is folding in naturally with the things that i'm doing then i'll go out of my way to make sure that i do that side quest and i did a number of side quests in this one but uh it feels like I, I walked out of Vigil's Keep, which is kind of where we start this episode, right? We walk out, we're in Vigil's Keep now. We are the Grey Warden commander of uh, of Amaranthine. Well, I guess of, of Vigil's Keep, but this like general land is like Arl Rendenhaus old land. Do, did we ever get like an official name for this whole like fiefdom, I guess, or this whole area? I just generally uh, I'm totally blanking keep, on like it. I don't know if there's like a word beyond that. Because Amaranthine is the city mm-hmm. that's near it, but that's not the only city. Uh, right. There's also there's kind of like little townships and rural areas and stuff like that. So I'm I'm going to probably end up using Amaranthine to refer to the area generally, but I'll maybe like check after this episode and make sure that we're not missing like a terminology there. Uh, the 
there's just so many exclamation marks and things mm. to do and it starts throwing things at you like right away in a way that does not feel it didn't make me feel like i was excited right. to play like normally it would be like here's all this stuff you know kid in a candy store go do what you want but instead it, it made me realize how much better structured bioware's other dlcs have been because mm-hmm. you think about citadel and that did it very well where i felt like i knew at all parts of citadel uh what i need to do to progress the main story what i could do as a side mission and basically like i understood the taxonomy of the quests and the progression and i never felt overwhelmed whereas with mm-hmm. awakening i immediately felt like oh god there's so many quests and right. i was i remember i was sending you messages i was like how much of this stuff like plays into the ending of this dlc and how much of it matters and the right it's it, it's a lot ken yeah it's it, a lot so my <laughs> bigger issue along with, like the the amount of things is not necessarily the part that bothers me but it, the weird feeling i get in this particular expansion that a lot feels like it's been put on our character that doesn't feel earned like in the story because okay we started out you know in origins we were this gray warden stop the blight that's all well and good we get here and we're sort of treated like almost like a world leader or something like where suddenly everybody's mm-hmm. problems are suddenly our problems and we have some ostensibly we have some sort of reason that we should care or like be invested in all these things but like i i'm like i'm here to start like to stop dark spawn i don't know how i suddenly became responsible for like like land disputes and general like scuttlebutt amongst the locals and right so much of this game is like putting problems that weren't this character's typically in front of me as i'm trying to get to the shit that should matter to that person i think there's there's some value in that that they're going like okay this is the reality of what the situation is because i i feel like very early on they they tell you that the gray wardens i think the treasury uh woman tells you this that the the gray wardens want to see this as like trying to establish another gray warden state like right. the idea of having a nation that falls under the gray wardens not just kind of being this transitory almost like mercenary population but being a place that has its own kingdom that has people paying taxes and things like that and i do think there's some value in in oh i want to just go fight darkspawn but there's all this legislative and like paperwork to go through and oh so i gotta go through all this i don't want to be king and like i think there's there is an interesting conflict in that i just don't feel like it's portrayed well at all i I feel like the end result is and maybe here is where i thought that dragon age inquisition did this idea better Mm. was that in dragon age inquisition a lot of the decisions you were making felt like you were delegating and making deliberate choices about how involved you wanted to be Mm -hmm. in things right whereas here you do have an option i think to just say like i want to let this the seneschal handle this you know or you know you you get involved but there in this game it feels like making that decision is deliberately cutting yourself out of content Mm -hmm. like you're just saying like no i don't want to play this quest and then it just disappears and goes away and you don't get to play this quest anymore right whereas in inquisition things still happen and occur because of that 
And so right. in that way, the events that happened in Inquisition because of all this, like, you know, kingdom, political intrigue stuff, they still have that feeling of things are happening in the world around you and you're making a decision of how involved in them you mm. are and at what level and how you want to engage with the world. Whereas here, it just feels like you're going through the buffet at a Luby's and you're going like, yeah, I want that, but I don't want that. And right. and then you're just getting to the end and cashing out. And right. that's that's where the friction is for me, is that right. it doesn't do enough to make this stuff feel consequential. And I don't know if in the long term it will be. Obviously, I've not played this DLC before, so I don't know all the factors. I know that there is there are choices that you make in the ending, much like any Bioware game, that will then affect kind of the outcomes in the epilogue. You know, it's very Bioware, but... Uh, I don't know where those knobs and levers are, so I don't know if the the choices I'm making right now are going to gradually affect. Like, here's a, a good one to throw in, is that I did one of the side quests, which was you go down to the cellar and you kill a bunch of darkspawn, and there's kind of a little mini story there that was all right about this gray warden who gets trapped down there. Gets there are people who are kind of turning into ghouls and stuff. And then ultimately you get to a place and they're like, oh yeah, you know, if we use some dwarven bombs here, we can like blow this thing up and, and deal with the cave-in and, or we can, we need to go deeper and deal with the root problem. And it gives you this idea where it like marks the thing. It's like, help make sure that Vigil's Keep is defended from below or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that seems like it's going mm. to play into the final mission. Like maybe if I don't do this, I will have a worse outcome because of it. But... I, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I feel like with the suicide mission and things like that, it, they were much clearer about, hey, you should probably do this. Like, you know, putting some better guns or, you know, like better armor plating or shields on the ship probably be good if we're going to go do a suicide run. But instead of this game, they're like, hey, I'm over here if you want to do this thing. But if right. you don't, fuck off. <laughs> I think that's... Because, like, the suicide mission was, like, a definitive... Thing that you're working toward the whole game like at this point what this game is going to lead to is still fairly ambiguous like there's no reason to like yes. believe yeah. that you know what like how any of this could play into things later yeah I just, if i had not yeah. played a bioware game before i wouldn't know that there would probably be some sort of like massive battle that everything culminates in that right. will then be built up by my choices like most bioware games are right like, <sighs> And, and actually, the only game I can think of that really doesn't do that as deliberately as others is, like, Dragon Age 2. But, we'll, yeah. <laughs> again, we'll talk about that later. Um, Not soon enough. I know, right? So, let's, let's get some of the political intrigue out of the way to just say that we have to do this whole thing where we meet all of the former nobles who used to work for Arl Rendon Howe, who we murdered in a dungeon, and by the way, I did recruit Nathaniel. I'm going to tell you about my dumb Nathaniel recruiting story in a moment. But uh, it's we we kind of have to make some choices here that feel very ambiguous and really only kind of lead to one thing that will happen later. And I actually ended up undoing because of a messed up save that I had to roll back a little bit. So that was totally fun. Uh, <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to complain about a lot of technical things this episode. <laughs> um, but the the one interesting the one thing that did intrigue me was that all the nobles are trying to kill me and i was like mm -hmm. okay you know i can i can get down with that the Some conspiracy political assassination intrigue like i'm down with that and then all that really came about from that was later when i went to amaranthine uh a dude sent a messenger to me 
is like the dark wolf mm-hmm. or whatever who i was apparently supposed to know like my character already had some knowledge of or something i was confused by that i don't know if i missed a dialogue line or something but uh, there's a point where you're talking seemed... to varel where you have a conversation about this spy i believe is like yeah okay okay i think i missed that but then i later had a conversation and the game just kind of assumed that my character had that line mm. done already so they're like oh the dark wolf and i was like what did i miss <laughs> <laughs> so then i talked to a dude who's wearing a bucket on his head and he's like i'm i'm dark wolf what up pay me 50 gold to to take care of some things for you and basically i was like okay uh i'm literally a wash in cash at this point i'd already done one of the uh missions which was for the merchant skill which is the first one we're going to talk about uh and if you do a persuade check at the end of it the dude gives you like so much gold it's kind of silly i feel like everything in this game is very sped up i'm leveling up very fast mm-hmm. i'm collecting a lot of gold i'm picking up all kinds of different poultices and stuff like that yeah. so uh i've not been wanting in that respect but um i i just gave him the 50 gold and that was kind of the end of it i was like cool neat <laughs> you know they're like maids gonna pay off later but i, just, I don't know so mm-hmm. We have three quests that each come from our advisors. You can almost see the legacy of Inquisition here. You can almost see the thoughts beginning to form. Uh, our Seneschal gives us one quest, and I, I apologize in advance, I'm probably going to mix these up, so I'm going to do them in the order that I remember them. Uh, the Treasurer wants us to go find out why caravans are being attacked on the road. Uh, the oh, The Commander see this is the one i knew i was going to mix up the you're kind of like wartime captain dude was he the one that yeah he's the one that tells you that some hunters fell into a chasm seemed like it might go into the deep roads uh you should probably go check that out and then your seneschal tells you that there's a gray warden that's been missing and you need to go find out what's been up with him because he was supposed to be figuring out what's been going on with the darkspawn why they're acting the way they are because as we know the darkspawn are acting organized they're acting you know they're talking and things like that they're they're doing things that the gray wardens don't expect and that worries them so the first one i did was i went to the the merchant one and after talking to a merchant dude and in amaranthine who gives you kind of lowdown, says that there's this one piece of woods that everyone avoids because they know that bad things will happen there. You go there and you find an elf, an elf lady uh, who I'm pulling up. God, I'm so bad today. I'm just, my mind is frazzled. I've been inside for a really long time and that's just kind of ruined me. So that's, I'm. you can hear me typing in to open up the wiki to remember her name. It starts with a V. I, I keep wanting to say Varel, but that's the Seneschal. Valana, that was what it was. Um, you you meet a Valana who's a Dalish elf mage, who uh, it has been attacking the caravans. And as you fight through this forest area, you gradually find out that what has happened is she believes that the human merchants have abducted her sister and killed all of the. Um, all of the dalish elves that she was with meanwhile uh the darkspawn were the ones who did that and they did that intentionally so that she would keep attacking the human merchants that came through so 
once we prove that to her and and we get her to join us because we want more people on our team uh we have to go into the mines and basically root out the dark spawn infestation that is happening here that is creating problems for us can there's there's something very interesting about this mission that mm-hmm. it does that i thought was cool at first mm-hmm. uh as as you go into the mines and and granted we just kind of like skipped over a little bit but it was really just kind of running around and fighting various there's a lot trees of and dark spawn and like, stuff i feel like there's a lot of not downtime but like i'm spending more time moving through the world from plot point to plot point mm-hmm. than i did even in origins yeah. like it does not feel paced in a way that later bioware games do right um and and i'm not i know like some people are like oh short attention span you know it's, it's that's what it is it's like no it's really more like i f- i just feel like things drag on for longer than they need to mm-hmm. without anything of consequence actually happening right. you know there's just a, there's and, a lot of like encounters for like that are there so you have something to do as you're walking from one side of the world to the other and it's like yeah i don't know i mean like i don't do i hate Origins combat i don't really know right i don't even know anymore like i feel i feel a general like i feel like a general disdain for everything so it's like i'm trying to figure out what, what parts i actually don't like i mean i don't i guess i don't mind doing a lot of origins combat but it like all of these encounters they blend together and it like they they really do like when i'm when i was thinking about it for this episode and i was like i have to summarize all these missions i was like you can really go like maybe three story beats for each one of them they're right actually pretty slim on story content but they still each take maybe like 30 minutes to 45 minutes to play through and that's just kind of you spend so much of that just walking around the maps are huge there's so much like loot to collect that is you know just kind of building up cash and stuff throughout all of it i, I don't know it's <sighs> i don't know ken i don't know mm. it's uh yeah um so we we go down into the mines and finally we get revealed one of the major players in the darkspawn conflict that is happening which is uh the architect uh the architect does this cool little like rune thing that makes us all pass out and and when we wake up he's like doing weird surgery on us and then we go back to sleep and we wake up and we are without our equipment and we got to kind of fight our way through the tunnels to to get back and, and get our stuff back and find out what's going on here uh at this point we actually can meet Valana's sister who lets us out of the cells in the first place and she's obviously been tainted by the dark spawn in some way uh but she doesn't want to leave there's there's kind of some weird implications there as to why she wants to stick around um that i imagine will be explored in later quests but it's um the section you know they already kind of did this in dragon age origins the the you don't have your armor anymore you've got to fight through this area now this just feels like a longer version of that and they do kind of an interesting idea where you gradually encounter uh enemies that are like weird copies of your party members that are wearing mm. their equipment and there's kind of like some implications about what the architect might be doing with that but fun fact ken there's a well-known bug in this section of the game mm. where 
for some reason, the test subject that is supposed to be wearing your player character's equipment might just not spawn. Mm. And there's no real rhyme or reason as to why this happens, as far as I can tell. You fight the character that has your equipment very far into this mission, like near the end. Mm. And uh, there just does not seem to be... There, there are like a few theories where they're going like, oh, you know, if you have a class that maybe the test subject can't acquire or something like that, mm. then maybe that would be it. Or if they're, if you're finding a way to like boost your stats using other things that would then make you able to equip certain things that would then not show up and create problems. Anyways, my test subject didn't show up. And I had to make a decision, Ken. Mm. I had to make a decision about whether... I wanted to play another 40 minutes of Awakening all over again, or whether I just wanted to, uh, if I just wanted to, to, to just deal with it, and, and Ken, I'm, I'm just dealing with it. So you just got nothing anymore? So, yeah, I mean, so it did, you later on find a chest that had all of, basically, your backpack inventory. Right, but not what you had equipped. Right, not what you had equipped. So the things I lost were not ultimately, like, I didn't have anything I really cared about except for, and this one hurts a little bit, Morgan's ring mm. was, I had equipped. And that hurt a little bit because, you know, my, my headcanon for my character is that they don't give a shit about any of this. They just want to go looking right. for Morgan. And so to lose that ring, but now, like, maybe I can headcanon a little bit, be like, oh, you know, the architect took the ring. And mm. That's like, yeah. yeah it's, you uh, headcanon that but shit. But I have... But I have to do that because this freaking bug man mm. and I wonder if that'll get even brought like, up in Witch Hunt. Hmm. Does mm. it get brought up in Witch Hunt? I don't know. Does it? I don't know. Unless you're like, so you threw that away, huh? I see this clearly meant a lot to you. I'm like you left. Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm mad about that, and I even like I read, I I was aware of the bug. And it was like, hey, take all of your equipment off before you go in. And I was like, no way, that could happen. Yeah, it didn't mm. happen. So, was not the only weird thing to happen this <laughs> this playthrough, this episode. But uh, once we get to the end, uh, we fight some dragons. And we basically, like, so the architect is basically this corypheus looking dude that's uh, clearly intelligent and has a, as far as I can tell, uh, like ghoul like dwarven ghoul with him that seems to be playing some sort of major role mm. in the events uh is maybe like a driving factor for him but we don't really get much of an idea of what's going on with this character mm. um and that's kind of really all we see of the architect in this episode the other two missions are very mother focused mm. and uh i don't know at this point i'm kind of just going okay so they they made a darkspawn bad guy like they made a darkspawn villain right and maybe it's because i played the other dragon ages that that doesn't really like blow my mind or right. anything but at this point i've i've come out the other side and i feel like i've learned very little about what's going on other than that there's this dude named the architect who's doing weird experiments and has dragons and and we killed the dragons so he doesn't have those dragons anymore but uh we have not learned much about the architect for the amount of time that we've just spent there. Right. <laughs> um, we do learn a little bit more about the mother uh, from the two quests that we do. And so 
I'm gonna pull open your notes and see which one you did first, and that'll help me decide which one we want to do. Um, we did have a lot of. I guess. Do you want to talk about Nathaniel Howe now? Uh, yeah, probably. Should, probably should get around to him. So we do also have a side quest here where there was a thief caught uh, looting around Vigil's Keep, and we find out it's Nathaniel Howe, who is the son of Arl Rendon Howe, who we murdered. And Nathaniel's not happy about that. And he kind of goes back and forth about whether he wants revenge or whether he just wants his stuff back. But we basically have the choice to let him go with his stuff, execute him, which seems like a gross overreaction, or uh, forcefully conscript him into the Grey Wardens. Now, Ken, I let him go with mm, his okay. stuff. Uh, I felt like that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And also because I knew that he comes back and joins anyway if you do that. So, whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but I found that out later. I found that out later because I was looking this up and I was like, he's supposed to come back after your first mission that you do of these three. Whichever one you do, he's supposed to show up. In a, in a random encounter while you're traveling between places. I didn't recruit him until I was on my second trip between Amaranthine and Vigil's Keep after I'd already finished all three of these quests. Oh. Huh. I have no clue why it did not activate, not even after finishing the last of the three quests, but I was going back and forth between Amaranthine and Vigil's Keep finishing mm. some side quest stuff, and then it finally just popped, and it was like, oh, hey, here you go. And I was like, okay, cool, hmm. neat. After I've spent all this time playing already, Nathaniel Howe is joining me. Okay. Did you... He, um, seems, he seems okay. I, I mean, don't know. Did you not go back to Vigil's Keep between doing these quests? I did. Hmm. Many times. Weird. Hmm. Well, I ended up like conscripting him out from the outset just because, like, inevitability. Just, like, also, right, I mean, right. who doesn't want another party member, right? I guess because those, I, those I have, have a, such a I huge a impact with, on this game. <laughs> I have a thing with the Grey Warden stuff, and I don't know why, but in this game specifically, the idea that suddenly our character is not only like the leader of the Grey Wardens, but everyone who joins them has to become a Grey Warden right. feels very weird to me. Like it, that's not a choice that I feel should just be happening all the time, and also the fact that like you know spoilers, but everyone who does the joining in this game besides the one girl in the first mission doesn't die so like it feels like an inconsequential choice right it it feels like at the end of the day ultimately these characters are as as far as i can tell as good at killing darkspawn as they were like before and after right. the joining right because you can kill a dark spawn if you're just a normal dude or else there'd really be no point in having all those big army fights that we had the only reason you need a gray warden is to kill an arch demon mm-hmm. and there is no arch demon right now and i understand there is some level of wanting to keep the brotherhood alive and keep numbers up in case there is one but the idea that we are literally conscripting many many characters who for one reason or another would probably not want to or need to be a gray warden right canonically like it just feels very very strange it's like a weird roundabout way to murder people 
Yeah, because also, like, that has, that's your life right there. You know, right. you've just kind of set a course for your entire life right. by doing that. And I feel like that decision gets made incredibly casually in this right. game. Right. I mean, there is one character and that we'll talk about later that, like, she is maybe more of a reason to, like, not necessarily be callous with her own life, but, like, not yes. value it yes. in the same way as other people. I don't know, like, not, like, I mean, again, like, no matter what I do, Nathaniel Howell is going to be a great warden by the end of the game. So maybe there is, like, a slight sense of guilt, like, hey, this dude just wanted his stuff back, and now I just killed him, basically. Hmm. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm of all kinds of thoughts about it, but... Nathaniel Howe seems cool. I haven't had many scenes with him yet. That is the other weird wrinkle of this game, is that a lot of stuff is just kind of... You don't have the talking to party members casually. Nope. You have You have a lot of... I went, there was one point where I went back to Vigil's Keep and Ogren was like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about something. Right. And he kind of like, we talk about dreams or whatever, and it, it kind of like sets up this, what I imagine is going to be his companion quest and all that. But it it's kind of noticeable that I'm not able to just stop and chat with my party members. Mm -hmm. uh, that, I don't know, I just feel less of an attachment to this right. group already. Like by design almost yeah and then also i don't know there's we'll talk about this episode but there's i feel like there's a lack of compelling characters in the cast yeah. i have met exactly uh, two that i like so far and we haven't talked about either of them yet oh we haven't talked about either of them okay um so let's talk about this first or second awakening mission sorry this one i think is what you're supposed to technically do first because the seneschal no the captain tells it to you so if you read right to left then that's what it is but um that's we're, we're gonna go find out what's up this hole in the ground <laughs> and uh once we get there we talk to the hunters who fell down the hole and they basically tell us yeah we fell down a hole and they mark it on our maps and we go there and uh there's definitely an opening to the dark roads there or the deep roads sorry and uh we also find sigrun who is a dwarf of the legion of the dead who is pretty badass all, all things mm -hmm. considered i like i actually like Stand sigrun a lot yeah like um, she she it, is the one sig sigrun right yeah sigrun like they, they're they have a couple of ways to pronounce it Sigrun, well, I kept reading Sigrun. it as Sigurn. I kept, like, I was swapping the R oh. and the U in my head. Yeah. yeah. Um, she seems cool. Uh, I'm into her character. She's, like, the last surviving member of uh, her group in the Legion of the Dead. And obviously not the last surviving member of the Legion of the Dead. But uh, this was, like, a faction that we only got a glimpse of, uh, for the most part, unless we were in unless we had a dwarven origin so to have a character who is a part of that and also like to have a to have a dwarf character that is not ogren mm -hmm. because freaking hell man like every every time i had ogren in these missions it was just like aha beer joke and stuff mm -hmm. like that ogren drinks so much isn't that you know it's the most dwarven stereotype you could mm -hmm. have and right. to have a character like sigrin who is basically you know like i've given my life to fight the dark spawn and i'm out here and i'm fighting for the glory and and i'm imagining this is the character who you mentioned like they would have a reason to mm -hmm. join the gray wardens right. because they've already kind of dedicated their lives to doing this so why not double dip as right. it were um 
I, I like her character a lot. I yeah. think she's a smart addition to this game. And she's just generally more likable than anybody. Like, she can be the funny, charming character without having to, like, be the absolutely insufferable person that Anders is in this game and that Overin is in this mm-hmm. game. She's just, like, a general delight to have around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like her a lot. She's cool. Um, I realize now we didn't talk much about Valana. Um... And that's because Valana did not really leave an impression on me. Mm-hmm. I went to her first because I was kind of trying to rebuild the party I had with uh, Dragon Age Origins. So that way I could have my healer right. and my mage and my tank. Uh, and ultimately, while I think Valana's stuff seems interesting in the context of Awakening, I don't know that I'm that interested in her character development mm-hmm. yet. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't want to see where this goes, but I do think that her her mission ends up ultimately not building her up very well. Right. Is that like it, it's a mission really, that's not about like, her per se? Yeah, it, it sidelines her pretty quick for the architect stuff, which also again ultimately does not play out very strongly. So that that whole mission ended up kind of being the least memorable of these three for me. Uh, I really like the Sigrun mission because it does kind of touch on a lot of stuff that, I mean, we got into when we were talking about uh, Paragon of Her Kind, and she she has a really good uh, mention where she's like, I would, I'm not going to get taken alive because I've seen, like, what they do to, mm-hmm. I don't want to be turned into a broodmother, and, and, like, the whole mission is that you are going to kill a bunch of broodmothers that the darkspawn have created right and i think that is ultimately i still don't like that concept but also i think that's an ultimately more interesting it feels like a grave warden thing to do and i feel like it gives a good drive for her character as well to show like what she is about you know she has seen her her friends kind of either killed or turned into monsters and she wants to try and set that right and so i felt like i just got more of who her character is and what she's about in this right. mission from it than i did from others For um, sure. i yeah i ultimately liked this mission um mm. we don't really get we don't really get too much uh we do meet one of kind of i guess you call them like lieutenants or whatever like one of the talking darkspawn who works for the mother right uh and he gets absolutely clobbered. Well, so he clobbers a dude with a golem, mm-hmm. which is cool. And I was like, that's a cool way of also showing the Darkspawn are taking, like, advantage of this dwarven technology. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, like, they're getting to that point where they are intelligent. You have a lot of, quote, like, discussions back and forth with Sigrun where you're going, like, she's obviously knowledgeable about Darkspawn. So she's right. going, oh, my God, they're using tactics now. And you know that's you get this you know why this is weird i I like that i thought that was that was interesting that was a cool way of doing it yeah but um yeah i mean ultimately we end up dropping a chandelier on some brood mothers yeah (laughs) generally i I, this was the point where a lot of it was um it just felt like you know i was walking through encounter after encounter the one time oh yeah yeah the one time that was like vaguely interesting to me was like that point where you're trying to go into like that sort of um it's, I don't even know how to describe it. Like this built this dwarven building, and she's like, "Yeah, there are gonna be a bunch of traps in there, and that's what got us last time." And so what I ended up doing was I switched over to Nathaniel, and I was just like dismantling things as everyone else fought around me. And I was like, mm. "That was one of the cooler encounters, just because like it felt like 
I was making a point. I guess that was like that's kind of like a making your own fun thing of like, how can I make this otherwise very boring slog of just fighting Darkspawn into something interesting by switching to the character that has the ability to kind of make this interesting. Mm-hmm. I I ended up going with the side door on that one, but then I actually went down from the inside and fought in that front area as well because I just wanted to see what that trap thing was like. And mm. I had the same experience where it's like, this encounter's very interesting because I'm actually fighting through an area while having to deal with traps, and it felt like it was laid out very well in a way that... Um, that that struck me as like much more constructed and cohesive than a lot of the encounters uh in this game have felt in general mm. yeah i just i i enjoyed that and ken i'm so distracted right now because i'm looking i have the dragon age wiki open and it auto plays videos in, in the side i don't know if you know this I but it, it does that and uh right now it's auto playing the quest overview for wicked eyes and wicked hearts and I'm just going like, oh man, we're gonna get to talk about that at some point. Hell we're yeah. talk about that mission. Hell oh, yeah. Oh man, that game's so good. Mm. <laughs> oh man. That quest mm, that quest might be one of my favorite in Dragon Age period. It's so yeah, good. Fair. Um anyways. Uh let's get back to talking about awakening. Great. <laughs> so Sigrun joins us and we go off on our third mission to talk to our third person. Uh, and do the third thing we have to do to advance forward in this game. And that is, we've got to figure out where Kristoff wins. Um, and I should mention that there were a few side quests that I uh, checked off at this point. Uh, I brought a lucky talisman back to the hunters. They were grateful for that. There was a, there was a dude who was a Grey Warden who we found on the brink of death while we were doing, I think it was... I think it was in the Wicked Woods or the the in Valana's mission mm. where uh, he wanted us to give a his his wedding ring to his wife right. and then in the same inn that I was going to to find Kristoff you can find her and she's with a companion as it were and you can basically call her out like oh you've been cheating on your your husband mm. and stuff like that and she's like well and it like it tries to do something where it's like oh but he doesn't know you know he just likes the ideal of me and he wants a woman that he can fight for but i'm a person i have feelings and him like just running off to go die in Mm. the the deep roads like what that's that's selfish that doesn't do anything for me but then it like it just ends like doesn't try to engage with that at all it Mm. just has like one quick one-off and then it's like we're done and i was just like wow yeah that's that's kind of a lot of dragon age for me is that they start to get towards something that could get really interesting and they're like okay we're done with that yep on to the next quest and it's like uh, everything just feels so not disjointed necessarily but just like again i i keep going back to the buffet because like it definitely plays like you're playing a campaign and the game is letting you continue to do adventures wherever you want but it wants to keep you on that that track heading towards the end and you're just getting to pick like what you want to do how much you want to engage along the way doesn't feel like i'm making a lot of choices that are having long lasting or meaningful consequences in this world it doesn't feel like i'm changing this world and ultimately as we will later discover we are not (laughs) but (laughs) um yeah it's i 
I don't get that feeling from this game, which which does kind of suck too, because you know ultimately Dragon Age Origins we did end up having some really interesting choices near the end that that really swung that around for me, and it felt like we had some sort of impact, and now it feels like we're just kind of in this cordoned off section where it's like they're like, well, we got to make more Dragon Age, go yep. play more Dragon Age, and I, I don't know, it just feels very feels like it's taking the wrong lessons from D and D campaigns, mm. if that makes sense. Like even I, I know that there is like a story structure to this sort of thing that this is kind of what they want to do, and this is a style of making a game. But I feel even things like Divinity Original Sin two and uh, Planescape Torment handle this sort of thing better. Uh, anyways, <laughs> our third mission: we go, uh, we find out that Kristoff had run off to this place. Uh, the marshes and after fighting through an empty village and a bunch of werewolves that are just kind of there and also can this bug me the whole time so maybe you can shed some light on this in the original game in origins they Mm -hmm. made a big deal about werewolves showing up Uh right Mm -hmm. they did they're just kind of ambient werewolves here apparently so a whole other curse is going on apparently and and also like they just they show up and you don't really get reasons why they're there right. and it's never really addressed why they're there it was i mean it's clearly just that they needed an enemy that would be different from the other things that they had had and it just never really and like they're, they're even called like blighted werewolves as if like they are dark spawn werewolves or some shit like i don't know yeah which i had a lot of questions i was like they made a big deal about the fact that there's a pack of werewolves here and they like did a lot in in origins to make that brazilian forest storyline have real reasons for why Mm -hmm. there's werewolves and all that and it's you know it it gave me the sense that werewolf like it wasn't just a fantasy world where they were like let's just have werewolves yeah except now it suddenly is a fantasy world where they're just like let's just have werewolves yeah it's a marsh. Put some werewolves in there. I'm werewolf Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, I I rewatched Rick and Morty recently. Yeah. Right. I how, how did you? Feel I had a that? moment. I so I had a moment because a while back I was uh, helping my my sister and my brother in law move into a new apartment, mm-hmm. and my. I mean, so okay here's something i've never actually understood uh if so brother-in-law is the husband of my sister right mm-hmm. does that then also make his brother my brother-in-law i don't think it extends that far it does not extend that far as far okay, as i so am my, aware no my brother-in-law's brother mm-hmm. actually we were talking about stuff and he, he mentioned he was like you like rick and morty and i was like uh you know i remember liking the show when i watched it i probably haven't before now i probably had not watched it in a couple of years but i remember the fandom and especially a lot of the stuff around the szechuan sauce and mm-hmm. all that like really just turning me off of the show in general and also i felt like it got really commodified really fast where it just kind of became a meme in and of itself nice. and so i wanted to give it some mm-hmm. space and then go back to it and see if i still found it engaging and funny mm-hmm. uh and i it, it's it's not an unfunny show Mm. it's uh i actually think that some of the stuff like that pickle rick episode 
are some of its weaker moments whereas i think some of the stuff like earlier on was much more like much it was trying to be like a comedy show and not necessarily be like you can make a meme out of this stuff right which is what i felt like some of the more recent things were like right uh yeah it's it's got some funny stuff. i like that there's an episode where they're locked they lock themselves into the house because they're like creatures that turn into characters that make you think that they've lived with you their whole lives or whatever and so you keep having the situation where these random characters pop up right i think they're trying to they're trying to figure out whether they've actually known them or not and i i like that episode a lot because i just thought that was a really funny concept that they still handled really well and it did that like very rick and morty thing of it had a very like dark twist at the end and all that but um i did end up ultimately liking that stuff whereas i don't know it's that's our Rick and Morty tangent yeah. of the episode. I should tell you how invested we are in Dragon Age Awakening. <laughs> Rick and Morty FM. Um, Patreon goal. Oh God, no! We already de- we already decided that. I I feel like we can make this canonical if we somehow get through all of Normandy FM stuff, all of the Bioware games that we could play. I think Danganronpa should be next up. Hell yeah! Because I'm game for a Danganronpa replay i keep thinking about it and i will actually give uh another episode an honest try Mm. Uh, yeah you can play it on pc or ps4 now where it's better yeah i know i can play it not on a vita which was kind of one of my major issues with that game but one of them Mm. (laughs) uh in awakening after we've killed the werewolves that are here for no reason um we find Kristoff's dead body. Dun, dun, dun. And he has been here a minute. Yeah, he's been here a while. He's, you know, he's he's getting a little ripe. They, you know, he's getting a... Like... It's pungent. I would say, I'm surprised <laughs> that they, like, went out of their way to, like, make his body look like that. Yeah, you know, it's... We'll get to that in a moment. Mm. But, uh... First, we have another one of the mother's lieutenants show up, uh, and... I kind of love how dumb this dude is. Like, it was almost kind of... This whole... This whole mission, I think, was actually my favorite. Just because of the three. was Just because of how ridiculous it gets. Like, it, it's almost like knowingly slapstick in a way. Because mm. he shows up and and he's a magic-wielding darkspawn who who tries to take you into the fade and he's like haha i'm sending you the fade and then you end up there he's like oh no i'm here too <laughs> and it's like <laughs> it's it's almost kind of comical that he's just like this bumbling mage who was told by the mother that uh that he could send people into the fade but was not told that he would also end up going with them yeah. and later on as you find out the mother we didn't talk about the mother in the last mission i guess but we can talk about her more at the end uh of this one uh, you find out later that she knew that he was going mm. to end up in the fade. Like she <laughs> definitely knew that was going to happen. So okay, this, this is another weird fucking tangent for us to go on. D- did you ever watch that '70s show? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So do you, okay. This was immediately what came to mind when this scene happened. So uh, there's an episode where Kitty, who was like the mom of the family, has been going on for like a, a bit of the episode about how much she hates her mother-in-law and mm-hmm. how like she just like wishes that she wasn't around, and then. 
in that episode, episode, the mother-in-law dies, and then Eric, the son, is like, but mom, you just said all these things, and then she, like, turns, like, does the whole 180 and is like, I never said such a thing. Because that's exactly what the mother does, is like, because one of the darkest ones is like, but didn't you want him to die? And then she's like, what? No, of course not. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's, this, this, this whole mission is so bizarre because then we start going through this town and it's the town that was in the marsh but it's all normal now and because we're in the fade and we find all the townspeople here and they've apparently what has happened is they've been taken into the fade by the former ruler of of the the castle who was a blood mage uh as kind of just like an act of vengeance against the town because they tried to rise up against her and so now they're all stuck in the fade and there's a spirit here a fade spirit named justice who is in this total knight in shining armor get up mm. and he's like come with me we're going to storm the gates and all that and i was i was just i don't know i was totally into it yeah. I, I was, justice I was is like, a pretty fucking rad like one of my favorite characters like, in this I was like, Justice, you're all right, man. You just want to like have, you just want to go save some people. Have, I'm down for this. I'm, I'm sick of all the the people who are either super sad or like ogring over there, just doing another keg stand with Anders holding his legs up. Like, <laughs> I, I want to hang out with Justice. This dude sounds great. So pure uh, in the in the face of everything else going on. And so we stormed the we stormed the castle. And I, I did skip over this, like, minor side quest that you can get into where uh, you can get tricked by a demon into going into the crypts and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of how you get to uh, where you need to go for this quest. You do a lot of running around in the Fade here, but thankfully there is no Metroidvania. God bless. Uh, there, there are still uh, point boosts, which I'm a big fan of. Mm. But uh, at this point, my, my stats are already pretty high. So, yeah. But... Uh, you can just persuade your way out of the demon fight and I did actually have a funny moment where I just was not I had not been saving as often as I should have because my characters are pretty overpowered at this point I'm not having like a lot of trouble with even boss fights Uh, but I tried to basically sprint through that crypt area and ended up spawning a ton of skeletons and stuff that all killed my entire team and so I was the only Mm. one left alive and so I was playing this game where I was basically running up to aggro a few of them and pull them away and then kill them one by one. It was basically like I was Agent 47 and Hitman. <laughs> and I was just like working my way through the crits uh, until I finally killed all of them and then my, my teammates would resurrect and we could get back out of there. That's mm. yeah. So one of the other things I'm not wild about in this game is that I, I, I honestly cannot remember if this is the case in Dragon Age 2 and in Inquisition as well. But the fact that when a team member goes down, the only thing, like, I only have one way of dealing with that, which is the the magic spell, yeah. the, the revival spell. Otherwise, I just have to finish the fight, and you're, you're just kind of screwed otherwise. Right. And I, I can't remember I, if 2 or Inquisition have mechanics that get around that. I don't remember having that same issue with those games, but... Right, I don't... Because hmm. I, I know Dragon Age 2 still has, like, the the healer specialization so that's like your standaway of doing that but i know inquisition famously got rid of healing magic so yeah i don't yeah. remember how you revive people in Which that game i ended up ultimately thinking was a, a good thing so mm. uh because then i you know 
I wasn't having to lock away one slot for a healer right. to get through everything. So, um, yeah. Overall, uh, it's, we we fight, we storm the castle, we fight, fight some people in in the castle. The Baroness is comically evil to mm-hmm. match like justice is comically good mm-hmm. and of course the lackey is there and he's like this total toady this like star scream to the baroness's optimus, Pri- optimus <laughs> prime megatron or uh you know they're like oh if we kill if i kill her or if i kill y'all then she'll get me out of here and well you know everything will work out fine and then of course you end up beating them the baroness is like well i'm taking us out of the fade but i'm using your life to do it and he's like no (laughs) it's like so it's so dumb but i end up really liking it because i was like at least in this situation i'm learning who justice is i know Mm -hmm. you know like justice it's not like he's a particularly deep character but i'm i'm endeared to his character because Mm -hmm. of how just like how well they play that up right and also he like has a character and we're getting introduced to it in this very natural way that is like conducive to his style and his personality uh and also this mission felt more concise and paced and like better handled than the other ones for sure felt like there's a very clear path that they had in mind for Mm. the player to take uh yeah, ultimately, I mean, we end up fighting her. She's a pride demon. There's, like, a really... I saw on Twitter that you posted this, so I was glad I wasn't the only person that had this happen, where you go into that cutscene. So we should talk about, once we get zapped back out of the fade, uh, we come to, we're normal, and then Kristoff's body gets up. Yeah. And uh, Justice is in the body of Kristoff. Right. And we just... At the moment in time we just kind of have to be like okay well this is the thing that's happening now we better go stop that baroness right uh and then once we kill the baroness and she ignites into fire and then we go into a cutscene where everyone's on fire (laughs) and just (laughs) casually talking (laughs) um we kind of yeah we kind of have a moment where we're like okay uh justice what do you want to do here what do you want to do about this and obviously i was like dude join the great wardens come on now like right. come be my pal come right. hang out for him like sigrin joining the great wardens feels natural because she's legion of the dead she's already like determined hmm. to join them and then with uh with justice it was like okay this is a character who has a sense of justice who wants to fight alongside us and he's taking the body of a great warden so he's already Right. kind of got great warden powers i don't right. even do you have to do the joining with him i i, mean, I, I think i think it's that's a physical thing so i think as long as he's in the body of somebody that has done it he's kind of good but i just i kind of like appealed to him like you have by whatever situation we have found ourselves here uh you have taken this person's body finished their mission yeah um and then we and then we we join him up so now we've got kind of our cast, right? Mm-hmm. We've got we have gathered the team, as it were. That was like the whole goal, basically, of these three missions was for them to be like, "Here's your team, uh, there you go." Uh, and and I guess we should talk about Mother at this point, right. who seems to be a brood mother, but a different one, a human and mother. Ken, I don't really know what to say here because the first time i saw i mean this is not the first time i've seen mother because uh caitlin was dropping some pics in here uh (laughs) when we were doing our we were doing our normandy fm episode and they will be be back on to to talk about the mother 
at length mm. uh, later on this season, but I uh, I kind of feel like they took a Broodmother and someone at Bioware was like, what if what if Broodmother but horny? Like, because mm. <laughs> they kind of just took a Broodmother and put some spider legs on it. It I figured out what it reminds me of. It's bothering me the whole time. I've got it now. Did you ever play uh, not Shadow of Mordor, but the sequel? Um, Shadow of War. Oh, no, but I know where you're going with this. Yeah, it reminds me of Shelob. Mm. Reminds me of Shelob, because Shelob was the same thing, where it was like, spider, giant, ugly spider turns into to sexy lady, but instead here, they just like stopped halfway through the transformation. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, sexy lady it's like half an animal then... cover. Yeah, oh my god, this is the halfway animorph between Broodmother <laughs> and Sexy Lady. <laughs> oh god, I don't I don't like joking about Broodmothers in this, because like we talked about in the other episode, like I think they're a really oh, abhorrent, some... fucking awful thing that Bioware did, and doubled down on hard in this game, and just... Yes. I, It's fucking wretched looking to me, and I just can't fucking stand it. It's 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 gnarly in a way that I don't feel ends up serving the universe overall, and it's it's just startling to me because I have played these games and I've played some of them multiple times over, and I'd completely spaced out the existence of Broodmothers because I think after Origins and Awakening they're just mm-hmm. kind of like oh let's maybe not like go back to right. that for a little while right. let, let's not talk about that let's kind of sweep that under the rug I mean they kind of do that with Darkspawn in general yeah. in this in the series I feel like. Origins and Awakening are very Darkspawn centric, whereas two, you have much more variety in the sorts of factions that you're dealing with and the people that you're fighting. And by the time you get to Inquisition, there's like just dozens of factions and different mm-hmm. characters and stuff like that. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it was because I was like softened by the fact that we'd already kind of gone through that mission in Origins mm-hmm. that I. I, I was like, at least here they're betraying the broodmothers as they're not kind of like holding this up as like, look at how terrible this right. is. This is so awful. Oh my God. Right. But they're more just kind of like, yeah, this is what the Darkspawn do. This is why we got to kill the Darkspawn. And I was, I was more, I, I wasn't okay with it, but I was in a better place with it just because I was like, okay, we clearly accept that this is a bad thing that's going on. Mm. Uh, this is horrible. And we're going to at least use this as some sort of like, you know, it, it was a driving factor for Sigrun to want to mm. kill them, to, like, take revenge, but also, like, put her friends out of her misery and stuff like that. And it's... I was like, at least they're trying to do that, and they're not just, like, rolling out and really, like, elongating the horror that has gone on to make me really be like, oh, yeah, Bronca's mm. terrible, but what she justified. And I was like, no, I just... I don't want to play that game. Right. I don't want to do that. Right. Uh, at least here, they didn't, like, just really crank the i don't know crank the lever i don't right. know what imagery i'm going for there but it's, um it's the the mother thing i mean at least with the mother we have kind of this idea that she has formed up an army of sorts around her she has some level of hierarchy that's going on and she is trying to control land in some way because uh in sigrun's mission we get the sense that this is like a territorial dispute there are two different factions of darkspawn that are fighting each other and 
uh while we don't we don't see much of that outside of occasionally seeing the dark spawn fight each other when we enter an arena before they all just eventually turn on us mm-hmm. but uh we do get this idea that there is a civil war happening between two factions and and we have that to work with but at this point i'm still just kind of lacking as for a I, I know I should care because these are darkspawn mm-hmm. and they're doing bad things and they're causing harm to people, but at the same time, I'm trying to get to the point where I understand why they are bringing these characters in and making such a point of having these two different factions and having this like distinction between that. Like I know at some point it's basically going to try and have me probably pick the lesser of two evils Mm. i imagine i again not played this far um i actually don't know whether this is a thing that happens but i do feel like they're trying to establish some sort of binary bioware binary Mm -hmm. that i will have to make a choice in right and i just i feel for the most part i have not learned a lot about these factions i have not learned a lot about the characters that i'm involved with and I really just mm. feel like I came out of this having played a significant amount of Dragon Age and not learning a significant more about the world or the game I'm playing. It's, um, like, at this point, right now, my feeling on Awakening is that it is a very succinct encapsulation of what I think Bioware's priorities are in terms of Dragon Age series and why I think they are mostly bad is that it really feels like they, at this point, think that the world of Dragon Age is the star and not the people. And mm. that, you know, we've been doing all this Dark Spawn shit, but we also, like, we can't talk to our companions. And they they do have quest, uh, companion quests that we will get to next week. But right now it just feels like all these people are just, like, a catalyst to move forward the Dark Spawn story. Yeah, and I don't feel like that story is particularly compelling at mm-hmm. this point, so it just kind of all feels moot. Like, honestly, the stuff that stuck out the most to me was probably the side quests, mm-hmm. um, which, again, like, I have my issues with how they don't feel like I'm engaging with the world, but at least with, say, the political conspiracy, there is, like, an interesting thing that develops there where you can then hold court in Vigil's Keep, and uh, you get faced with this uh, this noble who kills the person kills the knight that like warns you about the conspiracy and like does it in cold blood and basically is like i'm going to get away with this you i'm too i'm too powerful to punish basically right and you then have a choice of whether you execute him or you imprison him or you let him go free with like a slap on the wrist um i did make a choice in this quest but because of again save hijinks uh Mm. i have not played this I guess what well, you call it like canonically <laughs> yet. Um, so I, I will encounter it again. I think that time I'm probably just going to lob his head off because uh, I, I imprisoned him for life, which gave me some good catharsis in that he was just like, you can't do that to me, but also like, I think I just want to execute him. <laughs> I think that's, I, I don't know. It's, it also, I mean, so the things that I do know about this game is that while there, there are choices that can be made in it, a lot of them get undone by Dragon Age 2 uh, because some of these characters show up again in Dragon Age 2, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of oh, that Liliana yeah. situation. Well, um, the w- one funny thing I wanted to point out was uh, as um, 
and like after we had recruited Justice and we were like walking away to leave, um, the second I turned around, Justice started talking to Anne about like, aren't you angry about the circle and like the way the mages are treated in the world? And Anne was like, nah, dude, I'm totally chill. Foreshadowing <laughs> is some shit. I, mm, that'll, mm. you know, maybe, maybe they were thinking some things through. Maybe they did have some ideas early on. Exactly uh, one. Exactly one. Uh, I mean, that would be, that would be pretty, I mean, isn't that fitting with Dragon Age as a whole is that they tend to use the DLCs to, yep. to set up future games? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe they are thinking it through that much. Although to build an entire campaign of like extra stuff just to include one character who meets another character who will then become like the catalyst for an entire conflict in a future game seems a little excessive. But mm. I don't know. I'm not Bioware. I'm not spending that money to make that game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Overall, like, I want to like Dragon Age Awakening. I actually do. I I feel like there's something interesting here. I think it's just a mix of I do really want to be playing Dragon Age 2. Like, I'm just being flat out honest about that. Uh, because I think the actual act of playing Dragon Age Origins, like the game itself, the form factor is starting to grate on me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just I can feel its age at this point. And also I feel like the the combat isn't improving for me at this point because like, I'm kind of at the I'm at the point now where my character's playstyle is just defined. Like I just have, I'm doing the same thing in every fight right. over and over again, and it's to the point now where I don't even have to be too concerned about challenge and about difficulty because my character just wipes everything, mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't also doesn't do it in a way that makes me feel like OP. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it still takes a while for fights to happen, so it doesn't feel like there's danger, but it doesn't feel like there's challenge either. I, I don't know. It's the act of playing it in that way is just starting to grate on me and i also just feel like we talked about this but there's just so much i mean in newspapers they call it uh like white space Mm. the idea that there's like you want to fill an entire page uh of the newspaper with words because otherwise you just have Mm. pieces of the paper that you didn't use and that both looks ugly and draws attention to the fact that you could have done more uh when i was in newspaper in high school there were definitely times where i was just adding things to a story like just pieces of context or whatever and then like you know messing with the word count and all that to make it fit which thankfully we don't have to do anymore but (laughs) (laughs) um it's it feels like there's a lot of blank space between the things that are happening in this game and and just the way that the way that it progresses just does not feel it doesn't feel expedient and it doesn't feel deliberate in a way that maybe like a red dead redemption would where it's like oh no you want it this is the old west you're gonna take a while to get between towns and all that no it just just feels slow it just feels long you know it's you always hit a moment in an rpg where you start using the fast travel and you stop walking from place Mm -hmm. to place and i've never had a moment in the game faster where i've wanted to use the fast travel right um yeah so We're almost there. We've got, we've got more episodes. I I'm interested. I'm I'm interested to see if the Darkspawn are going to get some level of, I don't know, background or character story. Maybe I'm going to find what I'm looking for in this next week's episode, which is the companion quests. We're going to be knocking out 
all the different companion stories for the many people that we have just recruited. Uh, I'll probably look to do one or two more of these little side quests as well, uh, like clearing out Vigil's Keep and all that kind of stuff, uh, just to kind of see where that stuff goes. Uh, but other than that, I mean, we've we do only have we only have three more weeks. We have the companion quests, and the week after that will be. Uh, the final remaining story missions of Awakening, uh, which we will have Caitlin Gillies Row on for, and then on April, in April, once we get there, uh, we'll be on to Witch Hunt, and then we'll be in Dragon Age 2. The Promised Land! It'll be great. Ugh. Hopefully by then we won't be social distancing anymore. Ugh. We'll get to see people and we'll get to see Kirkwall. It'll be great. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh... I, before we before we close out again we are normandy fm we have a patreon patreon.com slash normandy fm if you want to donate if you want to help us keep the lights on around here we always appreciate that as always we shout out the folks that donate at its here that gets them a shout out every week so kevin kulikowski jenny Wu, chris johns and anthony Matthias. thank you all so much oh, for donating hold up, hold up. we got a new one we've got a new one a new shout out yeah new um, shout out me... shout them out ken well once this i is, get my this is your once the fucking patreon app loads on my phone so I can make your, sure we get it. This is your moment, Ken. This is your this is your time to shine. Uh, vamping for time. Colin. 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 Colin does not have a last name, so Colin. Just Colin. Just right. Colin. Colin, you're joining the list of our wonderful patrons who donate enough to get their name shouted out every week. If you want to have that, you can head over to patreon.com slash normdfm and do so. Or you can donate at whatever level you want. It's all the same to us. We're working towards that tier where once we finish this, we would be moving on to Jade Empire. I am actually kind of interested in seeing what that game is all about. So mm. I have to figure out how there. I can play it on any of the devices I own in 2020. Uh, is it not Xbox backwards compatible? It might. It might I mean, I've got my 360, so I guess it would be. Um, hmm. Also, it's I'll on PC. It so that's, and that's I imagine I that can run on my laptop because that game is like. 15 years it's old. old it's an older game yeah i that's actually one that i probably i've not played and i know the least amount about mm. out of the bioware games i've not played because no. obviously i know a lot about kotor just because it's been around and i know a fair bit about kotor 2 because that is kind of one of the other games that gets talked about a lot in the realm of bioware but jade empire has always just been this very the people who know know yeah. And they like that game a lot, uh, but it doesn't get talked a lot outside right. of the people who like that game a lot. So I am interested for that reason. That was so my first. You want to see us get there? That was my first Bioware game that I like really latched onto because I, I, I played Coach would... War prior and just I don't fucking like Star Wars. So <laughs> no, mm. Ken, come on. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't want to donate, you can still follow us at uh, twitter.com slash normandyfmshow where we post all our updates and plenty of memes and also the work that Ken and I do in our day jobs as part of the industry. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next week. Stay safe. Keep your hands washed out there, y'all. love again. We have watched and waited. <laughs>